again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to Pirates Talk presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Thank you so very much for your company. This past weekend, Seton Hall University celebrated 50 years of women's athletics with a series of events on campus honoring the great women who have proudly worn the blue and white. But what you see now is not nearly what it was 50 years ago. Dipping its toes into a new world, the university began fielding a women's fencing team and a women's basketball team. Sue Regan, then Sue Dilly, was hired as the first basketball coach. And as you'll hear, it was an addendum to the main job for which she was hired. My interview with Sue Regan comes your way after this message from Jag One Physical Therapy. A proud sponsor of Seton Hall Athletics, Jag One Physical Therapy gets you back to the life you love. Voted the number one physical therapy company based on first-class patient care and outcomes, Jag One Physical Therapy is invested in your full recovery. Your preferred in-network rehabilitation provider, Jag One Physical Therapy, has convenient locations throughout New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.jag1pt.com. Sue Regan, it is an honor to have you as a guest on Pirates Talk. Uh, I first met you way back in the day, but it's not about me. It's about you. And I, just catch us up. How are you doing? Doing very well. And it's uh, so, so long ago, it's hard to believe, isn't it? It's amazing how quickly time flies. I, I often yeah. think when, when I ask someone, let's just say about uh, one of their children, and they go, oh, yeah. well, she's a freshman in college and yeah, I go, right. freshman in college how did that happen but I think that's yeah. more that's more a reflection on I can't believe the time has passed as opposed to they've aged because time does march on but it has I, been a long time but the memories are still fresh for me I trust for you as well to, to your point I just spent a little bit of time with Brenda Knight Mel's wife mm -hmm. and Brevin and, and uh Brevin and Brandon they have kids that have graduated from college. <laughs> is that unbelievable? That is incredible because I can remember yeah. them with their oversized shorts before they were cool. It was just because they were so young and so small yeah. uh, shooting yeah. hoops at Walsh. So yeah. so you're coming off. Uh, we're going to play this back the week after, the Monday after all the weekend festivities have taken place. So some of them you've not yet experience but what does this weekend of honoring 50 years of college athletics for women at seton hall mean to you how does it resonate with you it it really means everything matt um a couple of years ago i remember brian and i having a discussion and somehow it came out i said well you know in a couple of years it's gonna be the 50th anniversary and he said yeah yeah i'm gonna remember that we're gonna do something and uh uh, pleasantly, uh, the committee's been great. The, uh, putting the thing together as a, as a celebration, um, has, been, I, I've enjoyed being a part of that process and the planning along with uh, Robin Cunningham and Phyllis Mangina have been very uh, much a part of the process. Um, it, it's, um, just so many great memories. I mean, I spent almost three decades here and even beyond that, certainly still very entangled with Seton Hall and Prince with Seton Hall through various other ways, even though I'm not close to campus anymore. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just really exciting. And it's gratifying for sure. Oh, it, it must be. And you were at the forefront. So take us a little bit through the journey. How does someone who graduated from upper Iowa university <laughs> <laughs> find herself on the campus of Seton Hall in South Orange, initiating a women's basketball program, kicking off women's athletics, and rising to prominence eventually, not only with the success on the basketball court, but also what you did as an athletic administrator. 
Uh, yeah, and I enjoy both roles uh, greatly for sure. Um, they each had their its place in my in my life. Um, how did I end up here? It was a blind ad in the New York Times. I didn't hardly knew of Seton Hall. I think I'd barely, you know, being from spent the mid, you know, my whole life in the Midwest, wasn't really aware of Seton Hall, the great basketball tradition back in the, you know, the 50s, 40s, and 50s, et cetera. Anyway, answered a blind uh, ad as um, they were looking for a uh, assistant director of recreation and intramurals, uh, which is a separate pro. They were now athletics and intramurals are in the same <clears throat> same uh, department, and then they we weren't. Um, got the job, and as it turns out, I found out about a couple weeks later, the reason I probably got the job as, a, uh, as opposed to the other candidates was merely because I was the, probably the only candidate that had any coaching experience. Because <laughs> I, I coached a couple of years at a starter program out in Wisconsin prior to coming east. So that's how um, I got here. That's how I started coaching. Um, and I couldn't resist that $500 they were going to pay me. Uh, to coach that first year. Um, Richie, as you know, was very uh, generous. Um, you know, as, as, as you remember Seton Hall in the old days. We, we really had, we had no money. <laughs> <laughs> How we even scraped enough together to add programs, which is what we did, and it was a plan. It was a plan. You know, basketball and fencing came first, and came tennis, then I think softball and swimming and soccer. Um uh, volleyball, you know, on, on through. And so I honestly, I, I, I don't even recall how I got the money because Seton Hall wasn't in a very good financial place at that point in time. And uh, how we scraped it together, I really don't know. But, um, you know, as we've always said, and as Richie used to say, um, it's the people. You know, we don't have the greatest facilities. We didn't then for sure. Uh, campus has changed tremendously. It's beautiful. Um, you know, we never had the greatest facilities. We never had the kind of budgets that a lot of the places, particularly when we got into the Big East and you're talking about playing, uh, trying to compete with uh, football schools. Um, but we always said it was the people that made us special and the people who, in fact, uh, is what was able to have us, you know, being able to recruit um, uh, quality kids and being where we are, being in the tri-state area and having such a wealth of talent in the in New Jersey and the tri-state area was so helpful in, uh, cause you know, we weren't recruiting nationwide or anything then, which they probably are now. Um, so, um, uh, it's just really, um, evolved and, uh, you know, look where we are now back, back to, by the way, where the, where we should be in terms of the big East conference. I'm, I'm so thrilled that we're at, at the place we are now. And <clears throat> it's back to the original origins as a true basketball conference. I agree with you, and I do understand why there was that attraction to expand and bring football in. But really, at its heart, and we know it, and and its soul, mm -hmm. it's a basketball conference, and that's what it right. that's what it is. Once again, I was chuckling as you were telling the story about the extra five hundred bucks, uh, <laughs> because I also think that Richie probably looked at it and said, "Hey, I got a bargain here. I can make a deal." Because, <laughs> right? He said, "Wait a minute, I got a twofer here." This yeah, is going to work. <laughs> and I have no idea what he would have said if I said I didn't want to do it. Um, uh, I did have to think about it a little bit, but, uh, you know, it was a, a something that was very intriguing and a, and a challenge. And uh, I didn't even – I honestly, I didn't even think about asking for more money. I mean, it didn't even occur to me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you kind of had him over a barrel there. You could have gotten another 200 <laughs> I maybe. I know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, so what were those first few years like? No money, starting a program from scratch, trying to entice people. I know Robin Cunningham's been on this show. Her story is well known. You know, her mom mm-hmm. sees Monsignor Fay, and next thing you know, one connection is made to another. Hey, they're, they're going to yeah. start this program. Why don't you check it out? So so what were those yeah. first few years like as you were trying to get a toehold in this this brave new world, so to speak? The the, uh, the year or two before, I guess the year before I got here, uh, there had been a title, uh, uh, an academic committee on campus chaired by then Associate Director of Admissions, Chris Carpenter, and they did a, a study, a, a Title IX study if, to to come to some recommendations as to where we needed to go um, with the athletic program to start to come into compliance with Title IX. Um, and it was just a, you know, a gradual process at that point. How, how we did it, I, you know, I wish I could tell you specifically. I don't know. You know, you, in, in a moment, you do what you have to do, and you get it done, and you're not thinking about five years from now or ten years from now or, third, you know, whatever. You just know you have a, a challenge, whether it's uh, coaching a bunch of walk-ons the first couple of years or whether it's uh, going into the administrative end and, and trying to build the kind of environment. My, my feeling always was as an administrator, our job was to provide you know, the environment and support to be able to make our coaches and our student-athletes successful and you do the best you can with the resources that you have. And I think that's what we've done, and I think Seton Hall probably continues to do it. There's no doubt that they do put that emphasis and and they have an enormous amount of success in that area. So I think back to those early years and, you know, we're not going to go through each season, but incredibly successful. I was someone trying to cut my chops in radio at WSOU and I got a chance Mm -hmm. to broadcast so many of those great women's teams peopled by Hall of Famers. And I was telling my oldest son, uh, recently uh, about the beginnings of the program and, and just how much I enjoyed it. And I mentioned there was something called the AIAW. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, That's it. Yeah. The Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women oversaw women's basketball, women's sports. So for those who are not familiar with it, just tell us a little bit about why that organization had to be at the forefront because the NCAA was not a willing they, participant early on. They they just weren't interested. They hadn't, they hadn't caught on with what, you know, first of all was, was right and just, and they didn't really understand the implications of title nine initially, I don't think. So very forward looking women across the country came together and formed their own association as the programs were starting because the impetus of title nine and the regulations, the rules and regulations that were, were passed from the government you know, were very specific in terms of the kind of equity that was expected if you were receiving government funds. Um, so as I said, a, a bunch of very forward-looking women across the country formed AIW, and we had uh, the regionals. You'll remember that our region was EAIW. Mm-hmm. In fact, we even had an NJAIW at the state level. Um, and that governed women's programs until, I want to say, maybe 79 uh, 78 or 79, I believe, is when the NCAA finally realized or were forced to realize, and I, I, don't, I can't tell you the exact process, that, in fact, they needed to be um, in the business of providing governance for both men's and women's athletics. And there was a couple years there where there was transition where some, some programs stayed with AIW, others went right to the NCAA, and, of course, in the end, AIW disbanded and everybody 
what you know what the uh, NCA route. Well, you went to two small college. That's how it was broken down: large yep, college, yep. small college. Uh, yep. You went to two small college uh, championships. Now it was, I guess, sixteen. If I, if memory serves, sixteen teams, maybe from around the Pro- country. Yeah, probably that was it. Yeah, um, one one yeah. was in Fargo, and the other one was down at Francis Marion College in, in yep, South Carolina. Yeah, I remember them well, and I was talking to Pam Cerruti and Robin about those days uh, earlier here this morning. And um, yeah, there, it was um, it was a uh, we did well enough. We either scheduled correctly or had enough success as a as a coach and as the players to, to get there. And, uh, again, how, how we scraped up the money to even go on. Cause you certainly <laughs> didn't get, you certainly didn't get reimbursed from, uh, AIW or anything. No. Uh, so we scraped it to get, always scraped it together. And, uh, uh, they, you know, it, it, that helped with the growth of the program because we can say to our recruit, you know, we went down to Francis Marion and played a team from California or teams from Texas and we were competing nationally. That certainly is an impetus to the program. So it helped a lot. Because they didn't, it's not like you had to do it. It was something that because we qualified, we won our region or we came in second, whatever it might have been, the the university supported us. And um, that wasn't necessarily a given. Um, So uh, fortunate to have the support and encouragement of right from Monsignor uh, Father Faye all the way down uh, through the administration um, and, uh, you know, got got the kind of support that we needed to, to keep improving every year, growing every year, uh, adding scholarships every year, adding more coaches every year. And, uh, you know, again, as I, I think I probably say, you don't think about it at the time, you just do what you need to do. And all of a sudden you've got a, uh, you've got a full blown, uh, athletic program for women. And it is fabulous to see and competing at, at the highest level. One of the things I lament about the changes in women's basketball, but it's all it's all for the good because there's so much more money put into it and it's now exploding. Like there was a time back then, women's athletics in general was starting to get a toehold and people were interested in. They were coming out to see mm-hmm. women's golf, et cetera. And then it, then it kind of hit a fallow period for a while, but now it's ba- bounced back and you see 10, 15,000 fans fans at games. But the one thing I miss is, and I know it's never coming back, but I miss the <laughs> fact that Montclair State could compete. Queens right. College could compete. Right. Immaculata right. could compete. And even a, a youthful program at Seton Hall could compete. Now, you know, it's it's basically the haves and the have-nots, and it's exactly. broken and down. The, the sad thing about going to NCAA governance was, unfortunately, women's athletics then took on the same problems and issues that the men's program had because when we were AIW we talked a lot about we don't want to we don't want to fit that um that uh that uh, I can't think of the right word we don't want to fit that structure we, we don't want to go in the direction that the men are going that the men are at because that's not the best thing necessarily for student athletes um and that was uh, that was something that was a um a quandary uh, across the country in terms of um, athletic administration is trying not to get into pitfalls that then and now so much more uh, have become issues. Um, and the men and women are in the same boat is basically what I'm trying to say now. Whereas in, initially there was an attempt not to not to take the bat the the negative parts that were uh, uh, in the men's venue and bring them to women, but you know, 
NIL portal. I mean, you name it. Um, it's a whole different ball game. It, it really is. How do you think you would fare uh, running yeah. Seton Hall as the basketball <laughs> coach? It's something that Tony Bazella now has to do. But how would you uh, handle uh, all the changes? You know, I, you know, I give them all credit. I don't know how you do it. First of all, I don't know how you manage the coaching staff. Uh, I mean, football's always had a million coaches, and, I, and you know, I've always felt like a head football coach, basically as a manager. They don't really do that much, except decide when to call a timeout during a game. Truthfully, their you know coordinators do the coaching. Mm-hmm. And now we're to the point with at basketball. I know they just they just uh, added another coach this year in basketball. I don't even know what the number is up to, but as a coach, you would have to spend so much time just managing your coaching staff. I mean, when you've only got a couple, I mean, I start, it started with me and then eventually we got a, a part-time coach and eventually a, a full-time assistant coach, but you know, that's, that's pretty easy management. You can concentrate on the coaching aspect and the same thing with the portal and NIL, um, you know, you don't know who your team is. Um, and I think that, that I mean, you, obviously these people have to deal with it and they're learning how to deal with it as they go along, but I mean, you can have you can have one team today and a total, you know, half of your team could be totally different, you know, next week. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very difficult, uh, a very difficult circumstance to have to contend with as you're trying to maneuver through coaching your team through the year. And you can hear it when you speak with coaches, they have to operate in that world. So on the one hand, they're looking over their shoulder who might be poaching my players. On the other hand, they're looking over other coaches' shoulders saying, I might be able to get that player it's crazy. It's the wild, wild west. I, it, it is. It, it it really is. I was talking to PJ a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he said, "Now, uh, when when kids go through the uh, line at the end after a game, now what you're hearing is how much are you making? How much are you making? <laughs> Not instead of have a nice game." <laughs> wow, that Pretty is sad commentary. Yeah, it is in 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 very many ways. Um, last few, and we'll let you go. And we do appreciate your time because you 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 are uh, you know under under the gun in terms of uh, so many people want to want to talk to you. We got, we got, we got a lot going on. No doubt. So looking, <laughs> lo- looking back, what, what is your association with Seton Hall? I think it's shined through your comments, but what has it meant to you? And, and, and what, what do you think as you, as you relive that path that you traveled and all that you did? Well, I mean, Seton Hall and I were one and the same, truthfully. I mean, you know, as a coach and, uh, and as, uh, administration um you live it you live it every day i mean when you're coaching it's the last thing i've always said it's the last thing you think about at night and the first thing you think about in the morning i mean it's just uh it's a crazy profession and um you know for almost three decades i was here full time and even to the day i have connections that are deep and you know uh everlasting and um uh, seton hall's life and my life are, are truly entwined and uh forever will be i'll be forever appreciative and i will forever be uh, thankful of the opportunity uh but also uh aware that i think i gave it my all and you know did the best to to uh be in the the right the right place at the right time helped a lot but also we worked really hard at it and seton hall is the better for the time that you've spent there and, and the devotion you gave to the university. So we'll let you go on this. What are you up to now? Uh, well, we're having a little, uh, later this afternoon, we're having a little informal, uh, not a part of the regular program. So Michael won't know about this. It's sitting here with me. Um, a little informal gathering of, uh, women's basketball. 
separate from the rest of the plan or stuff. Uh, believe it or not, Matt, um, of the 12, we had, you know, we had walk-ons for the first team in 1973. I had never seen anyone play, and it was all walk Some of them played on the club team that Mel coached the year or two before. And <clears throat> so they all, we had tryouts. All the kids were walk-ons, no scholarships till the next year. Of those 12 players, 11 are coming back. Awesome. And they're arriving. Uh, I just got a, a message from Kathy Keating. She said, I'm at PBI. That's Palm Beach Airport. Ready to head to Newark. Uh, Chris Mapp's coming in from Atlanta. Mary Beth Stein's coming in from Washington State. Maureen Reese is coming in from Delaware. So we're going to have 11 players, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Th- that is awesome. Well, we'll let you get to that. And just in general, how do you stay busy these days? Uh, I play a lot of golf. Nice. Uh, I'm lucky enough to still be able to swing the club and play two or three times a week. And uh, I have a couple of dogs that I enjoy very much, travel a little bit. Fortunate enough this year, the highlight of the travel this year was uh, going to the Solheim Cup over in uh, Spain. Cool. For the women's golf. So that was a lot of fun. So uh, I'm very fortunate. Well, I'm fortunate uh, to have been able to uh, have witnessed your work and to have you as a guest on this show, Seton Hall is the better for what you've done uh, to uh, help establish the program that it has now. And Sue, thanks very much for giving me some of your time. Maddie, thank you so much. Good luck with yourself. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. It was so enjoyable to speak with Sue. I got my start in the business working for the school's radio station, WSOU-FM, one of the great student-run college radio stations in the country, and I had the privilege of calling many of the games that she coached. I have vivid memories of the success of those clubs and the stars of those teams, many of whom are members of the university's Hall of Fame and the acclaim they brought to Seton Hall. Special thanks to Pat Christensen, our audio engineer and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. His work on the show is invaluable. And thanks to you for your company. It is very much appreciated. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Pirates!